0: Feel Thank Feel right? regular, regular, regular. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome for this week's edition of Questions for Regular People. We have our illustrious guest today. The one and only Johnny Proof, a.k.a. Johnny Pantoya, a.k.a. What other AKs you got out there?
1: Those are the main ones, man. The only ones I could really uh, mention right now. So
0: <laughs> do it. You're trying to put anonymous. <laughs> That's so right. happy you're here. Very, known you for a very long time. A very good friend of the family. A good friend of my brother's. And an all-around um, person that people should be inspired by. Um for for a second when people catch up and, and join in but let's talk about who you are where you're from and what made you who you are today all that good stuff so i'm going to give you the opportunity to talk now about
1: uh you know you so go ahead and start it well good start man thank you for, the, for those kind words um, um i grew up in rocky ford colorado just like you so come from now um you know like you said our family's really close and just really close with a lot of people from um, from that town still so um it's good to see you know um just all of us still you know together man even though you and i haven't talked like we said for for many years right like, you know, it's just like you know we're brothers man we know that whenever we get back together see each other again it's it's that love it's that family so Absolutely. Um, yeah, i mean that's how it is man um you know grew up with a, a great family around me you know um really close to my family still um i just i've had some you know up and downs of life like everybody my dad away. Right. that's kind of the biggest thing that's happened to me um I guess, you know, uh, biggest impacts when I was younger was my dad passed away when um, I was 20. So uh, that kind of, you know, just at the time I was in college, that kind of shaped who I was after that, you know, kind of it um, influenced me to do, so, to go after my dreams and to do, you know, crazy things that I always thought that I uh, wanted to try and do. So, um, you mm-hmm. know, like my Johnny Proof, like you said, is my name for wrestling. So that inspired me to kind of go out and just chase my dreams and um, try to do that kind of th- uh, that kind of stuff. Um but other than that, you know, I'm, I'm into music, too, just like you, um, a fellow drummer, just like you are. And that's what's kind okay. of cool, uh, you know, uh, you and I as we both have like a lot of common things like that, like wrestling and drums and music. So, um, so it's really cool to be connecting with you here on that, um, for that reason as well. Uh, sure. Yeah. And then just, you know, I just have a, have a family now. So it's a, it's a big change for me to, uh, to be married and have a family. And um, I honestly never thought I would be at this point right now. And. Uh, here I am with two girls and a beautiful wife, so it's just uh, it's a really great thing, and um, couldn't be happier to uh, to be where I'm at right now. Impressive. So, where are you currently living? You're not on the mountain time zone anymore. No, I'm in uh, Tacoma, Washington. So um, moved out here a couple years ago. Okay, and uh, the northwest the northwest lifestyle a little bit different, correct? It is. Um, in a lot of ways, it's kind of similar. Um, you know, the the mentality here um is just really like forward thinking. You know, a lot of people are just trying to um, just do really great things, trying to be uh, proactive about, um, I guess, just getting ahead of life, you know. And um, So that's what's really good about the the energy out here. You can kind of feel that uh, from being out here. And so that's one thing I really like the, about the area. Um, also, the climate is a lot uh, cooler than uh, than Colorado, you know, uh, where we're where at half time. So um, that's kind of nice, too, to kind of have a break from that extreme heat and uh, to, ha- to have some kind of uh, some mellow weather for a change. Good. Good deal.
0: Um, I wanted to ask you about um, COVID, And the pandemic and i know you had
1: a daughter or
0: a was it a daughter
1: yeah yeah correct my daughter yeah is that correct Mm -hmm. yeah so uh it's you know in hindsight now we don't really know um exactly what you know if covid had anything to do with it or not but um she was diagnosed with kawasaki disease um back in february on february 14th um which is you know of course valentine's day but uh It was also kind of a hard day for me um as well because um it's the day my grandfather died and i took care of him for five years and so that was really hard a hard time so um so having it occur on that day it was like really wow like really like again i have to deal with you know something even more horrible now right and so um yeah we uh, she got diagnosed and thankfully they caught it in time because there's a they give a 10-day window for kawasaki disease and if you don't catch it within that 10 days um it could have some impacts on their heart and so um, thankfully, um, all our follow-up tests have been, you know, clean, but it was a very scary time because we were, you know, in the hospital for a week. Um, they do what, what's called an IVIG uh, treatment, and so um, it's, a, it's a round of treatment that they have to go through for 24 hours, a really slow drip IV, and so um, you're basically just playing, playing the waiting game, uh, seeing how they'll respond to that, and then after uh, they're done with that IV, you have to wait 48 hours to see, um, you know, if their fever spikes again. So the problem with her is her fever spiked uh, twice after even a second round of IVIG. Okay. So, um, we were just like at our wits end, you know, like, what's, you know, what's going to work what's going to, what's going to happen. is she going to be okay? Uh, so they had to, um, actually try a, a different round of therapy after that, um, a steroid. And so, um, they did that. And thankfully that did the trick after 48 hours, she didn't have another fever. And so she was able to go home, um, after that, you know, after a week. And so, um, like I said, everything has been good in the follow-up appointments, um, her cardiology, um, appointments have been really good. And okay. so, now yeah, we're just we're really thankful, man. We just thank God that she's okay. And, um, we just, we're always concerned though, you know, like we always have to kind of just keep an eye on her and make sure that she doesn't get sick again, or if, even if she does get, a, you know, sick or a rash, anything, you know, like we're just really concerned that it might, um, be the Kawasaki coming back because, um, unfortunately for a lot of families, a lot of kids, um, it has come back a second time around. Okay. and so. So it's going to be something we're um, worried about, you know, but. Um,
0: so it's enduring. Yeah. Is it like an enduring thing um, at certain stages in life? Like, are you more susceptible as a kid, obviously?
1: Yeah, it's only, it's actually only um, something that kids can get, they say. So um, um, it's it's typically, they say within like the ages of two to five, but there's been cases where it's been even like, you know, five-month-old kids and um, even kids in their teens have getting have it too, or gotten it too. So, um okay. You just really don't know i mean there's still a lot that's unknown about the the disease that's what's kind of scary too is they've known about it for you know a while now i think like maybe the last 50 years it's really been uh, studied pretty heavily but they really don't know where it comes from how it occurs or anything so it's just a it's a mystery still in in medicine um so and then to you know go along with that what you said about covid you know then all these articles started coming out about kids getting the inflammatory uh, syndrome uh, which could have been caused by covid and so that was really concerning too like did she have covid first and did that cause kawasaki or you know what and so we're still trying to uh, you know try to connect with our doctor um that treated her to see if there if she has any concerns if she thinks it was covid or um if we need to be looking out for anything as far as that goes you know so, awesome. so yeah really a nervous time as far as that you know that's concerned it is, but you're kind of out of the
0: woods for the most part, would you say? Or are you guys taking
1: it day by day and hopefully, you know, it doesn't flare up, so to speak? Yeah, we, we feel like we're out of the woods, but you just don't want to be um, cocky about it, you know? You don't want to be like, oh, oh yeah, we're, 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 cons- we're not concerned anymore. We're confident she's not going to get it. Like, we're always going to be um, just, you know, worried about her catching something in the long run again, you know? So, um, yeah, it's just something we're always going to be paranoid as parents about. You never want to see your kids, you know, go through anything like that.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. So we had a question that says, yeah, we had the first case, right? Um, that was from Val. What's up, Val. Hello. Um, putting hey, sure too, if you can, um, expound on that, but for, for anybody else that's chiming in right now, I, I didn't put this out in the beginning, but I'd like to preface this. You can ask questions in the chat, um, to Johnny, or you can click the, uh, question mark with the cards and ask it anonymously. Um, but nope. she was referring to as the first case in Washington.
1: Yeah, like the, the first COVID cases were, you know, spiking in Washington, and so um, who knows how long it was here for, who knows, you know, um, where it, it exactly started, but um, they were really starting, you know, in Seattle and the King County area, it seems like, and so, yeah, it was, you know, like it could have been, they say, uh, once it started, you know, coming out in the media that it was out there, they said it could have been active in the community for, you know, weeks or months before that, and so um, who's to say that it didn't have an effect or, you know, lead to her getting it? So. Right. yeah we we keep her at home like as much as possible like when she when she has doctor appointments we'll take her out but other than that we're just you know we're keeping her at home because we don't want to risk going through that again for for right now Absolutely. it's got to be tough going through especially as a relatively new father right so you you yeah uh... she's only two years old my uh, youngest daughter is uh, five months old and so they're both really young yeah you know? insane yeah I have a, a daughter similar age I think
0: Val has a a son similar age mm-hmm uh, must be tough and we're
1: grateful that all our kids are healthy and all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Continued health to everybody's kids, man. And just, you know, if you, the main thing we want to stress is if you see any kind of signs like that, anything that, you know, looks iffy or could be, you know, um, you know, related to Kawasaki at all, just don't, don't sleep on it. Just go get them in there and, um, get them checked out because we had no idea what it was before they told us about it. And, you know, now we're just trying to spread more awareness about uh, the disease.
0: Good. That's good to hear, man. And I, I think, um, Pushing your information on all platforms uh, with regards to Kawasaki and new parents would probably enjoy hearing what that is and what to look out for. So kudos for you know taking one for the team, so to speak. Kind of I
1: guess a little no. bad day, but no, I mean informing us at least. The exactly. Very- and uh, the Kawasaki Kids Foundation is a good um, a good foundation to look into if you need um, resources or information. They're based out of Colorado actually. So wow. okay. I connected with their um, the president there and you know talked to him a little bit about um, his experience with his son that went through it. So they're a really great resource and they provide a lot of um, good information for families. Amazing. So we'll, we'll
0: provide that link, uh, in the comment section after this is all said and done. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and pivot. I I'm curious about a couple things. <laughs> uh, know we haven't talked much, but your profession, right? I've known you God forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as I've known you, you've been into the sport of professional wrestling. Yep, that's right. <laughs> I, think, I think you've hosted just about every WrestleMania in the books that you were able to host at your house. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I know you used to have wrestling parties as a kid, Yeah, your brother was a part of a lot of those ones uh, for sure. <laughs> absolutely. I remember uh, you guys walking around with your wrestling buddies uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, having those parties. Okay. But let's talk about your profession. So. Uh-huh. It was like a dream of yours through your entire life to become a professional wrestler, right? It and was, yeah. Um, I would say you're like in the top, I don't know what percentage, but it's a really small percentage of people who actually did follow their dreams and make it happen. So what's crazy is you went to the Harley Race
1: of school wrestling, is that correct? That's right, yeah, the Harley Race Academy out mm-hmm. in uh, Eldon, Missouri at the time. And that's one of the like, most prestigious, if I understand correctly,
0: wrestling camps in the nation.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. It's still to this day, they're still running and putting on, um, you know, great shows, uh, great camps that they have every year. Um, Yeah, it was, you know, when I decided to try and do it, um, you know, I made the decision to want to learn from the best, you know, and Harley uh, was the best, you know, in his prime. uh, There was nobody better than he was. He was NWA champion uh, several years, several decades, and, um, you know, he worked the the best guys in the region all across uh, the country, really. Um, You know, a lot of people credit, um, Hulk Hogan for being the first person to slam Andre the Giant, but actually Harley Race was body slamming him long before that, you know. And there's right. there's to show that, and it's just really awesome to know that he was also like
0: one of the first kings.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and he was uh, one of the first kings, and just really just uh, respected uh, throughout the business, you know. So um, that's you know It was easy for me to choose that school, you know, because I definitely wanted to to learn from somebody with his accolades, and I knew I'd get the the best education um, in pro wrestling to go there.
0: So how
1: did, how did you make that decision and when did you make that decision to go? Well, it didn't, it was, it was, you know, it took a little bit of time. Like I always knew I wanted to do it. I just didn't know when I was going to do it. Um, and like I kind of told you, you know, the death of my father kind of propelled me to, to think about that more. Like, what would I really want to do? Like, you know, what's something I've always wanted to try and do? Um, and so wrestling was one of them. Um, you know, I was a pretty, you know, small kid growing up. I and mean, not like small as far as tall wise, but um, as far as muscle wise, I was pretty, pretty lean. You know, I think I graduated high school when I was only like maybe 160 pounds. So, due to being pro wrestling, that that wasn't gonna work. You know, I had to, you know, at least you know, work out and get some muscle added to me before I really gave it a shot. And uh, so that's kind of what I did to bit to kind of start the process. You know, I got more in the gym more and. Uh, try to work on my body and that kind of thing. You know, I knew that athletic-wise I could be able to do it because, you know, I played sports my whole life. And so uh, that wasn't really um, something that concerned me about as far as that goes. But I knew I'd have to have, you know, more strength and um, endurance to be able to actually do it um, just because looking into it, you know, looking into what it takes to, to actually do it, um, it's a lot, you know. It's a lot more than people think. And so um, you gotta really have to challenge yourself and push yourself to, to be best, to be the best at it. How, and- how
0: long would that last, That the camp that you went to? Was it?
1: Well, yeah, me... um, for Harley School specifically, I think everywhere is different, you know, but um, he uh, he kind of had a, a, a strict kind of guideline for his students, you know. So um, you would go to, to school for six months, basically. Um, that was like the first, you know, initial period. And after six months, he would evaluate you um, and see if you're ready to go or not, or if you need more training, um, you know, because he really kept a good eye on the students. Um, but thankfully, you know, I was like I said, I picked up on it pretty quick. You know, I felt like I was athletic enough to do that, and so um, I picked up on it pretty quick and was able to uh, to graduate the school in four months, and I had my first wow. in four months. So, um, so that was pretty cool, you know. And um, you know, Harley just gave me a lot of you know good uh, good advice, good um, good compliments as far as you know um, how I was doing throughout the the course of my first four months, and. Um, I had guys vouch for me too, that were my trainers, you know, um, Trevor Murdoch was, um, one of those guys He was wrestling for WWE at the time, right. he would come down and train us and, um, help us out when he was, you know, taking a break from being on the road and, uh, you know, him and my trainers, they were the ones that vouched to me and said, you know, that he's, he seems like he's ready to go. And, um, after that, basically just started working shows for, uh, for world league wrestling, his uh, promotion.
0: Oh, that's crazy. So, okay. Let's talk about in the school. Um, was there academics as well as training? Was it a combination of both or was it mostly in the ring, hands-on?
1: It was mostly a lot of physical challenges, man. Like uh, every day we'd, uh, we'd do it three times a day or three times a week, I'm sorry. So Tuesday through Thursday we'd have training sessions. And um, uh, for the first probably about half hour to an hour it would be all cardio stuff. So cardio and endurance, you know, making sure that we're just, you know, um, getting our lungs ready for it because it does take a lot of, um, endurance and cardio to, to put on a good match and to, you know, have a, a good lasting match. And right. so, um, yeah, the whole ups, you know, cardio, and then um, every time we'd end cardio would be with squats. And so we do uh, body squats, um, which we do uh, 200, you know, straight body squats. And if you ever do 200 squats in a row like that, you'll feel it afterwards, trust me. And uh, after that, we'd have to get in the ring and start actually training and, you know, running around and that kind of thing. And so that was uh, that was a right. challenge. Is like your your winded already, your body is, you know worn out, and then okay, let's get in the ring and let's actually do some drills, you know, and you know wrestle. So uh, it was it was it was challenging, man, on your body, but it was definitely worth it. For sure. Um, now, do you develop a style when you're in there, or are you
0: taught some certain basic things uh, and how to protect yourself as a uh, like an entertainment athlete?
1: Uh, you know, Harley's was pretty good about giving you your. Um, giving you freedom to, like, kind of come up with your own style, um, be who you want to be type of thing. Um, I honestly liked working, you know, in Harley's type of style, like the old school style, um, the real snug working. and you know, make it look as, you know, as real and legit as possible, you know, like really beat the hell out of each other um, or else, you know, like you, if you've seen guys that aren't good at it, you'll know, like, okay, like you're not engaged in the match. Like this doesn't look like any any kind of real fight, but, um, you know, I wanted to make it, you know, as real as possible. So me and the guys that we trained, uh, that I trained with, that's what we did, you know, we just beat the hell out of each other and um, you know, it uh made us closer as, you know, students and um uh, made us better as as far as being able to perform in the ring also. Right. Do you think um
0: like matches are made by style or matches are made by chemistry? Is is that the case within the yeah. profession?
1: I think it can go both ways, honestly, you know, um I know that, like, you know, if you have a really good friend that you um, have outside the ring, you know, or just um, you, you guys are both really good uh, friends, you're going to have a great match typically because you trust each other. It's um, it's all about trust, basically, you know. Um, some guys can pull off some amazing things with their friends or guys they've known for years or guys they've worked with years because they have great chemistry or they're great friends. And so, yeah, sometimes styles make really good matches. Sometimes they don't. You know, sometimes you think two guys get in there. They're both, you know, athletic. Uh, they're both going to be you know, flying around, jumping around, but sometimes something just doesn't click, you know, um, that could be that missing like friendship link. Like if you're not close to the guy outside the ring, um, then you're not going to really have uh, the full amount of trust that you would have him have in him as you would, like your really good friend.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I would think it'd be hard to, uh, to find a chemistry with someone who, who is way more egotistical than you and would really want to dominate, um, and this is just me speaking out of my ass, knowing what the sport is. But yeah, I would find it hard, just like any any other sport. Like if you're a lineman on the NFL team, right? You got to be close and know what each other's maneuvers are. Um, okay, so you went from that school. Do you do you still talk to any of your friends
1: from the class? Yeah, man, that's the cool part. You know, like um, some of my best friends are you know guys I met at that um, at the school. You know that I keep in touch with uh, still to this day. And, you know, it's, it's really great that we were able to, you know, have that bond. Um, a couple guys that um, I roomed with, you know, we kind of um, shared um, apartments together to, to cut down on costs because, you know, we're both just trying to make a living out there and go to school and learn how to do it. And so, um, yeah, those guys are still some of my best friends to this day, man. So, um, and then, you know, I still keep in touch with a lot of the trainers um, that I met out there too. And, um, yeah, just, you know, a lot of great contacts that I still have from, from those days. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, any of the guys come back to Colorado? Actually, no, 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 I think about it. Nobody ever um, went to Colorado and worked, you know. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think, but I don't think anybody that can, um, that comes to mind that worked out in Colorado. So I know I tried to get a couple guys out there, but it just didn't work, you know. Um, there's always, like, you know, uh, politics that go involved with that, you know. Like, it's, uh, that's kind of the hard part about being uh, a pro wrestler. Like, you know, it's very territorial. And so guys take care of their territory before they'll, you know, bring in certain guys unless they're, like, a really big name. But, um, you know, if you don't have, like, a huge name, you haven't been around the circuit and, um, you know, traveled the world, basically, um, it's kind of hard for you to get, you know, um, a, a booking in another state unless you have somebody, like, really, really vouch for you. So
0: Yeah, I think, I think most, uh, like, kind of independent contract um, careers, career paths are that route. Yeah. I know there's, like, um, I can only speak from something like maybe the DJ perspective or music perspective is, you go to that region and it's very territorial and it's only music, right? So yeah. only a certain amount of venues, only a certain amount of people do a certain thing. And then to go in there and be like, I'm the guy now, um, really ruffles a lot of feathers, doesn't put you in,
1: in the best place to succeed initially. And that was kind want- of the challenge out here, man. That- um, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say that was kind of the challenge at first coming out here when I first started getting to, um, you know, working, the, uh, independence out here is that, you know, I didn't really know anybody, you know, I just, I knew some guys that work for a company in Oregon. And so that was like the only real tie I had to any of the companies out here, but it was a lot about just reaching out and putting myself out there and, you know, trying to get, uh, gain the respect of these promoters out here, um, in order to start working out here. Um, but like I said, it's just, sometimes it's tough. Sometimes you get, you know, luck with a company. Sometimes you don't for whatever reason. And, um, it's all about, yeah, just, you know, kind of, um, keeping at it and see where you fit in.
0: Right. There's a, um, There's a, and this is not wrestler side, but there's a rapper by the name of Dills, Um and he's quote unquote the hardest working man in in, in rap music. Mm-hmm. Um similar to you, like going out and, and testing the waters elsewhere. But he um, he would go places and really really piss people off by jumping shows that he wasn't invited to, by uh, promoting across the street from a big show that was there. So much. Mm-hmm. He did a a DVD called Coach Dill's World and had artists like MERS and Snoop and LibQuali, you know, talking about him and how much of a pain in the ass he was because he would travel with them and jump in on their shows. So I wish you luck out there, man. That's a hard thing to do is leave your territory, go to another spot, uh, Mm -hmm. make some headway there. That's kind of tough. So good luck for that. Um we have a question in the inbox from somebody. Question is uh what are your thoughts on garden gnomes? <laughs>
1: <laughs> man, I hate garden gnomes, man. I'll tell you what. Um Is that serious? No, <laughs> no, honestly, um I don't have a problem with garden gnomes, man. I've never had one myself, you know, and I don't think I've ever had the privilege of having a garden gnome in any yards I've owned. Um but uh but yeah my my daughter's been watching this movie called Gnome Alone. That's about the only tie, uh, tie in I have to a gnome right now, a garden gnome. <laughs>
0: That's an odd question to <laughs> <you're> ask. <asking. laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. So you went to the, uh, the, the Harley Race School Wrestling or Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, did you sign on a new wave immediately, or how did that work
1: when you jumped out of school? Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, when I uh, finished up there in Missouri, um, I decided to move back to Colorado and uh, actually take a break, you know, like from wrestling. So um, oh. I decided to actually try to go back to school and finish my degree because um, I was in the process of finishing my degree um, when I decided to leave and, uh, you know, be a, try to be a pro wrestler. Um, so I put my education on hold. I wasn't really feeling it at the time, you know. And then when I came back, I was like, well, you know, it's tough to make it in this industry, so I definitely need to have a backup plan. You know, I don't want to really be, um, you know, working at restaurants or anything like that for the rest of my life. Right. Uh, that's what I did out there in Missouri was, you know, I was a server um, part-time and then I, you know, wrestled. So um, I was like, yeah, I just got to, you know, prepare myself a little bit better for the future if I want to, uh, you know, be smart about it. And so, um, but that was one of the things that, um, you know, another thing my dad influenced me um, on was that my mom and dad both were really high on education on me getting my um, degree. And so um, I felt like it was time to, to focus on that again and uh, accomplish that. Um, so I went back to, uh, to CSU Pueblo and i got my degree there um so i finished that up um in about a couple of years and so yeah so i was taking a break from wrestling for about five years and then after i got my degree you know i got um i got a job after that but i was still i still had that itch you know like i um, i hadn't really watched wrestling like too much before that but then i started you know kind of it started coming back to me a little bit and um i was like okay you know i i know i could still do it you know i just don't know um really you know if i want to yet but then um, it just started getting you know more and more as um, more and more of an itch to do it, and that's when I looked up some companies in Colorado and uh, I found New Era uh, based out of Denver, and uh, decided to reach out to them and uh, went to a couple of their training sessions and uh, they knew my background you know was good and everything like that but they wanted to see you know how I did and their in um, some practice matches uh, in their training sessions. And so, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I talked to the owner, uh, Zach Bowman. He's a great guy, still a good friend of mine. Um, they're still running really great shows um, in New Era in Denver. And uh, he put me on, you know, as uh, one, of, one of their shows. And ever since then, I was working for them. Uh, you know, had some really great experiences there as well, too, and uh, became um, their champion, um, you know, in uh, two different belts I held there. So that was really cool to, to be trusted to be their champ and, um, you know, to kind of help build up other guys as far as um, getting new talent to develop and that kind of thing, too. So how
0: okay, so you get there. What happens they, they look at a highlight reel. Um, and then and then they say, Okay, let's test you out with a couple folks training mm-hmm. and put you into our program.
1: Yeah, so, so I, uh, I reached out through email, uh, sent him, you know, kind of like a resume of what I've done, um, I sent him a couple of matches I had um, from Harley's and then Uh, Yeah, he invited me to come and, you know, train. And so that's what I did. I went and trained with them and um, had some trial matches there. And, uh, yeah, he gave me his blessing. He said, yeah, just, you know, we'll have you on our show. And um, just kind of had to, you know, start all over, you know, and work my way up. And that was something um, I was happy to do, you know, because I know I didn't have any kind of, you know, um, any kind of pull there. You know, like you go somewhere like that, you have to work your ass off and, you know, show them that you want it. Um, And I feel like I did that enough uh, to earn their – earn their respect. And, um, obviously, you know, down the line, I, I was able to, uh, to be champion for them. So, um, so yeah. And I hopefully I can, you know, work for them again because I really love that company. Um, Zach and Stacy his wife. They're just great people. You know, they put on really great shows and, um, they do a lot of great charity work with their shows as well too. So, oh, that's uh, good. a great company. Are, to be are,
0: are, are you a uh, independent contractor through them? You, you, you just sign
1: contracts for the matches itself, or is it a duration of time? How does that work? Yeah, there's really no um, contracts, you know, at, the, at those kind of levels. You're kind of just, you know, working independently. Um,
0: okay.
1: Yeah, there's there's bigger bigger companies where they do require contracts, you know, because they will, like, you know, um, require more of you or more ex- uh, exclusivity uh, and that kind of thing. So um, when you get to that point, then you can, you know, sign contracts and that kind of thing. But um, when it's at these independent levels with uh, companies like that, you're kind of just um, free to work where you want to work and um, it's most Just like you know i'm just working with the with the promoter on that
0: so okay and you were there for how long before you got your title match well
1: that's a good question i think it was man, i want to say at least like a year maybe a year and a half i can't remember exactly how long but um yeah so the first title i won there was a 5280 title they have a that's kind of like their secondary title so if you're thinking of like wwe that would be like the intercontinental title
0: okay
1: yeah so um yeah, 5280 is, of course, the tie to being mile high, you know, that kind of thing. So it's a really cool. cool title to have. Um, I think, yeah, I think it was maybe like within a year um, I had won that belt. And then um, a few months later, um, I was the actual New Era champion. So
0: it's amazing.
1: Yeah. Now,
0: jumping from New Era, how did you guys get from there to the WWE? And let me just preface it by saying this. I watched the clip of you and Brock Strowman probably a thousand times already. I think it's awesome that you got to do that. That must've been like one of the highlights of your career. So how did that come to fruition?
1: Yeah, it definitely was, man. Um, You know, for me, just growing up watching WWE, that was always like a dream of mine to wrestle for WWE and um, to get that chance, you know, just, it's amazing. Um, But what happens with that is um, combination of just, you know, luck, being in the right place and just being, just being ready, you know, putting yourself out there. they, uh, what they do for WWE when they come to town, when they go anywhere, basically, is they hire, um, uh, extras. So, um, if there's guys like me who, you know, are um, not signed with WWE but are, you know, working in that area as a pro wrestler, then, um, you know, you can reach out to them and, um, you know, let them know you're available to do extra work and they'll either bring you on or not. Um, so I was brought on for uh, for that night to, uh, to be an extra, you know, me and there was probably at least, you know, a good maybe handful of guys, probably like maybe. A total of like seven eight or eight guys that were um there all together and right. you know they kind of just tell you to be ready you know like um you'll kind of hang out in the back for a while you'll you know do some paperwork you'll have some really good catering and then um later on in the afternoon they tell you all right get in your gear you know um we'll see if there's time to have matches or not because uh typically they um, um in in times before and sometimes it's kind of changed a little bit since then but they would have Um, you know, time for tryout matches for guys, for local guys like us. Right. But you could be able to get in the ring and, you know, work a match against, you know, um, one of your friends, whoever's there with you. And so uh, we didn't actually have time to do that that day, but um, they were putting together a match for for Braun Strowman that night. And um, he had been basically just, you know, introduced as a singles guy, a really, you know, big singles push for him um, at that time. And they were having him just, you know, destroy local talent. So (laughs) any Any uh, town they went to, they'd bring in the local guys and be like, "All right, you're just gonna get demolished by Braun tonight." And so um, that was uh, <laughs> that was kind of what we had looked forward to that night. Like, oh, who's gonna be the guys that get you know beat up by Braun tonight? And so we're all just kind of hanging around the ring, and um, you know, Arn Anderson, who worked for WWE at the time, he was the agent for that match, and uh, he came and looked at all his guys. And um, at that time, my my ring gear was a little bit like you know brighter. I I was wearing red pants, as you probably saw in the video. Um, yeah. So I, you know, kind of stood out a little bit because of those red pants. And I think that's what he liked. He wanted like something that would pop on, on camera. And so he came around and looked at us was like, all right, you and the red pants, I want you on there. And then he, you know, talked to the other two guys that he wanted and um, he thought they had, you know, the look he wanted to be on in the match too. So that's basically how it happened. You know, you just kind of, you get lucky sometimes like that and um, they'll pick you out just uh, based off either how you look or uh, how you present yourself. And so, so yeah, it was it was pretty cool, man. Uh, just you know, Arn Anderson. You know, I grew up watching him too. So just to you know be around him was awesome too. Um, cool. And we just you know got told, all right, we're gonna be wrestling Braun tonight. And um, you know, just went through a few things in the ring, but we didn't actually like you know practice anything at all. Like we just kind of talked about things. Wow, that's that was
0: saying uh, how you you went over the top rope and landed. um, yeah. that's talent and knowing how to do that one. And then did you know that was coming?
1: Yeah, I knew it was coming, but of course I didn't know like how it would go. You know, we didn't practice it or anything. I was just like, all right, when the time comes, I'm just gonna a lot of trust. <laughs> I'm just gonna have trust in you, man. Just throw me out there, and I also had to have trust uh, trust in the guys um, at the bottom because two you. It uh, was it was a, a one on three match, and so the two guys that were my partners, they were already outside of the ring. Right. So when he threw a, a threw me out there, you know, they were there to kind of cushion my fall, and uh, he actually launched me farther than you know um, the guys thought. <laughs> so. The... <laughs> One of the guys completely didn't even you know um, help me at all the other guy behind him thankfully, you know um, was there to pad my fall a little bit But yeah, it was uh, he's a strong dude, man. He just he made me look like a paper airplane Oh, I bet
0: I uh, I could used that training back in 10-15 uh, years ago. I had a guy in Hawaii that size pick me up and throw me in a stack of speakers No way <laughs> Yeah, I cracked my vertebrae it wasn't all that great, but uh yeah. that guy um, <laughs> I could use that training, man. Uh, I could help so, you, so man. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> for that night, um, did you get to meet a lot of those WWE
1: wrestlers? Well, I mean, some of them are, you know, approachable. Some of them aren't. There's kind of like an unspoken rule. Like, you know, don't be don't be going up and talking to them unless they talk to you kind of thing. You know, like you kind of just mind your business. They're there to work. You know, they're not there to, uh, to you know, be... Um, interacting with, you know, people that they're, they really don't know. <laughs> so, right. yeah, yeah, they approach you cool, but if not, you know, you kind of just keep your distance. Um, and some of them, like I said, are approachable. They'll come up to you and, you know, actually say hi, you know, cause a lot of those guys have been there before, you know, they have been in the, our same shoes as extras right. before. Um, so yeah, some guys are really cool about that. You know, um, I remember uh, Seth Rollins was really cool that night. He came up and talked to us a little bit. Um, and it was kind of cool because, uh, that night after that show, they were, I think it was that night. Yeah, they were doing. Um, it might have been a different epi- a different night actually when I was an extra. Yeah, I think it was. Sorry, but um, there was one night in Denver where um, Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to do a podcast um, following that episode of Raw. I think with Triple H, and we had our little you know uh, makeshift dressing room that they made for us. And uh, he like popped in there. He said, "Oh, they really got your boys in style here, you know." Wow. <laughs> it was, it was, like, being Stone Cold like that, you know, like a <laughs> guy. Watch growing up, and he was uh, really cool to us. Um, you know, in that moment. So, right. so yeah, it just depends on what, what I guess what kind of the mood they're in too. You know, some guys are cool, some guys um, are just to themselves a lot too. Right, and they're probably broke and probably get approached a lot,
0: especially yeah, your more like famous notary notoriety. God, I can't even speak. Anyway, <laughs> let's let's leave that away. Um, you're in Washington now. Any prospects on joining leagues there? What should we look out for?
1: Yeah, so I'm currently involved in a couple of promotions out here. Um, one of them is called uh, West Coast Wrestling Connection, uh, WCWC. They're based in Oregon and Salem. Um, really get, re- a great company that I've been working with there. Um, they do a lot of cool stuff. Um, have some great guys coming in, some young guys that are uh, really coming up, um, and they've been you know, going to school there, and they're just really uh, developing really well. So, companies you know looking really good for the future um and they bring in guys uh, sometimes from other areas too uh to help guys out and to um i guess you know either be mentors to them or just to, you know have a good match with somebody that's a little bit more high profile um and then the other company i work for is here in washington they're called uh, northwest pro and they're uh, they're a growing company too you know they're trying to do some really big things coming up uh they have some really good seminars they're going to be doing with guys that they're uh, bigger names in the, in the business right now so you know once things get back to normal that's kind of the thing you know is that we can't really run shows right now um because okay. of the COVID thing right so that's kind of the, the hiccup right now but um they do have a show planned for uh for july and i'm um, hoping to be a part of that if things are back to normal by then Awesome! please uh send
0: us a link or anything streaming that would be great to uh send out to everybody and have you know people per- purchase if they need to yeah. or at least wa- uh, watch in um no. I'm stoked that you're doing that With regards to your, um, I guess in, in ring persona, what what would you say is, uh, your current persona for how you're going into this? Is it just, uh, specifically wrestling or do you have kind of a monitor going in?
1: Yeah. So I came up with the Johnny proof character, you know, when I started a new era because they kind of, okay, (laughs) thanks man. So yeah, they kind of challenged me to come up with something, you know, um, different. Um, and so I was kind of thinking of my background, my degrees in journalism, you know, and I was like a broadcaster or some kind of thing like that, you know, so um, I was like, okay, well, how can I tie that into a wrestling character? Um, So I thought maybe I can come up with this character that's like, you know, um, that acts like he's just really um, all about telling the truth, but he just makes up a lot of lies, a lot of bullshit. (laughs) Um, That's kind of where the idea came from, you know, Uh, Johnny Proof bringing you the truth. Um, I started off coming out, you know, and, uh, interviewing people in the crowd and, uh, asking them questions and no matter what kind of question they you know, uh, I'd ask or whatever they would tell me, I would always make it, I would spin it to of course, make them look like a fool or make me look good. You know, so, um, that's the persona I came up with. Um, it's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of, you know, um, I haven't done enough with it lately. I think, I need mean, there's some more I can explore with it. And so that's what I'm trying to think during this downtime is, uh, when I come back, you know, how I can kind of, uh, make that character just, uh, a little bit more, stand out a little bit more, you know?
0: I think it's a good idea. Like if you're at work, cause I, I'm a cubicle jockey, right? So I do most of admin stuff. Being that the, you work around people who are continuously lying and if they're not lying to stretching the truth, right? Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I'm going to start using the word Johnny proof to describe them. If <laughs> uh, that trend will
1: kind of follow. Yeah. Never know, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> no worries.
0: Is there a, are you working on a signature move do you have a signature move or what is that
1: like yeah so uh i kind of uh, wanted to make the moves a little, a little bit um fit in with my character so you know how to kind of have like that news um tie-in and so um i do like a an armbar submission that i call breaking news um and then i have a, a finishing move that's kind of like a jumping leg drop you know so the guy's uh standing vertical and i kind of just you know jump and um give him like a leg drop and from the standing position and um, that's uh, that's kind of called like either. I was calling it top story for a while, um, but this guy told me maybe I should call, call it Newsflash instead, and I kind of like that. So um, yeah, I call it Newsflash. And so yeah, I kind of just you know um, tying that kind of stuff in also with my name, you know uh, being Johnny Proof. Um, I try to do a spin off that. so I have a move called uh, the Proof Positive. Um, one called the burden of Proof, you know so. <laughs>
0: uh so let's let's talk about wrestling now so i wanted to know what are your five favorite wrestlers of all time could be any era
1: okay it's a good question i've actually thought about that recently it's i go back and forth a lot you know on who i put in my my mount rushmore so to speak but um right first and foremost i mean you know um some guys might like this or might like this might not like this in the wrestling business but i mean what got me into pro wrestling was Hulk Hogan, you know, like when growing up, he was the larger than life character, you know, um, always being everybody and just larger than life, you know? So without seeing him and like being so, such a big presence, you know, I probably wouldn't have been a huge fan of wrestling. So, hey. uh, I got to put Hogan there for sure, because, um, not only that, but he, you know, I mean, what he's done for the business, you know, he helped it grow so much over, um, those years in the eighties and nineties, you know, so he made it like a really big thing. He's and, even uh,
0: During this pandemic, did you see the meme with him and Macho Man about how we're going to act after COVID and they're, they're kind of like
1: going into the stands? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Him and, him and Macho Man has this this great uh, chemistry, man, like as far as not just in the ring, but their interviews and all that stuff. So yeah. And Macho Man is somebody I hold in high regard too, man. That's kind of where I, you know, um, sometimes put him on, sometimes I don't, um, but, um, I guess, you know, for me personally, like who influenced me or who I think, you know, had the uh, the best uh, influence on my um, uh, getting in the business kind of thing. Um, Bret Hart was a big one, too, that I watched in the 90s, you know, so he was just so clean and so great at what he did. Um, was it a the screw job? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that recently, too, I think Undertaker did an interview about that recently that I uh, was meaning to check out.
0: Me, too. I saw that. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. I just, you know, I've seen Bret talk about it and, it's kind of like, kind of how it works, right? Yeah. It's political, it's w- what's the next thing? Um, I think the Green Bay Packers are doing that to Aaron Rodgers right now. Right, uh, yeah. Jake Plummer got the, got
1: the, <laughs> you know, the Montreal. That's right, yeah. It happens, <laughs> man. It happens across a lot of different sports, you know, so. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it happens in the work center. It does, yeah.
0: Young asshole coming in with all these bright ideas, and you got to be up on it. <laughs> did
1: Tom Brady did Drew Bledsoe like that, you know? So. Oh, dirty.
0: So dirty. <laughs> Damn, six rings <streams> later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, back on it. So you said Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart.
1: Yeah. Um, I'd probably throw in uh, Kurt Angle, too. Angle's uh, just awesome in the ring, you know? Like, he's one of the top ones that I think he's ever done it, you know? Um Right. He worked with everybody and anybody. I mean, he had a really long career, so he worked, you know, guys that are still around today, guys that, you know, had retired long ago. Um, so I um, I hold Angle pretty high as far as one of the best injury workers of all time. And let's talk about, like, just his career, period.
0: This is a yeah. dude who won a gold medal with a broken bone, right? Did he break his yeah. neck
1: or something like that? Neck, yeah. He had a, a bone in his neck broken. He still went out there and won a gold medal, so. Right. But, I
0: feel like, I feel like I should have a guy. Uh, Jamie, hey, bring up the you know the Kurt Angle wrestling match from the Olympics. (laughs) How painful is it to wrestle with a broken neck? I I was a little you know 95 pounder in you know eighth grade and I wrestled with a broken collarbone and couldn't win. Right, and this dude's in the Olympics wrestling with a fucking broken neck. I remember you had
1: that broken collarbone, man. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's funny, (laughs) but those are those aren't any joke either. Might be more painful uh, neck, man. So but I yeah he he was a he was a monster man he's an animal and um yeah, it was kind of funny. I saw he did uh something on Twitter I think a few months ago um kind of played a prank on his wife he had set up his phone kind of like you know us here and um he was having some spaghetti you know at his uh, kitchen table and right. had big you know got a big uh, you know uh, fork full of spaghetti you know the spaghetti's dangling down right. and gets his scissors you know and cuts the spaghetti like that, so it's not dangling he did it. <laughs> You know, he was making sure his wife saw, and she's like, "Really, Curry? You're gonna be lazy like that?" And he's like, "Lazy? I want the, uh, the Olympic gold medal with a broken freaking neck." and yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, "Don't start with that broken neck crap again." It was it was really hilarious, man.
0: <laughs> Have you ever watched? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big podcast fan. I was watching a uh, Bill Burr and uh, Bert Kreischer's podcast recently. And they were discussing about.
1: How they're the breadwinners
0: of the family but how you can't go home and say that you're the breadwinner
1: and that's exactly what he just told us <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> just what you don't do you got to keep some things quiet you know so right They <laughs> don't care about that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so let's see so angle heart hogan mm-hmm. i probably throw austin in there too because he was such a big you know um big star during my teen years you know and kind of even, you know, revolutionized the business even more than Hogan did, you know, to a certain right. So, you um, got to show Austin some love. And, uh, man, the last one, the last one I'd probably, I'd either go Macho Man or Shawn Michaels because they're both, you know, in my eyes, they're, they're both great as far as who they were in the ring. Um, right. Macho may be a little bit more better of a character, but, you know, Shawn Michaels is definitely like a really just you know big um big influence on me as far as like the size wise like you know the size of a guy being able to make it if you're not like a big huge you know six six foot five plus type of dude um right. still being able to be champion and um get to the highest level oh for sure for sure One to try i realize my phone's about to die. one second <laughs> okay hey if you guys have questions we have
0: about um 10 more minutes of this if you have questions type them in the uh little box there, or use the box with the question mark, and we can ask Johnny Proof anonymously uh, the question you have for him. I've been uh, an obscure wrestling fan, I would say. Uh, not that I like obscure wrestling, but I like the obscure characters in wrestling. Mm-hmm. My top five would be a lot different. Uh, you probably have way better perspective on it than I would ever. But uh, guys like um, the Texas tornado guys like, uh, Papa Shango, <laughs> you know, those type of really outlandish one hitter, quitter, right? And, uh,
1: that'd be more of my steez, if you will. Papa Shango, man, he went through, a, um, a few really good gimmicks. Actually, like he was, I don't know if you, um, knew all the gimmicks he did, but he was also uh, a comma. He was like uh, some kind of like ass beater named Kama um for a while there he had like a mr t type of uh, you know mohawk fro type of thing um right. he did it for a little bit and then of course he did papa shango and then he actually um became the godfather too where <laughs> he was basically a pimp um he'd come down to the ring with like oh, a- the hoe train he would call it and uh <laughs> Actually, the gimmick that got him into the WWE Hall of Fame was the, the Godfather. Was
0: the Godfather? Damn, he's yeah. you know, Hall of Fame. That's crazy. Yeah, I would have never guess that someone like that with the whole train.
1: Exactly right. Those were different times back then, where you can kind of get away with that kind of stuff. I don't. Think oh, for sure. The day, so.
0: They used to beat women.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> do, or do they still? I'm not sure.
1: What's that? They still beat women. Uh, they don't. No, they don't have like matches where they um. Usually have guys, you know, against girls a whole lot of time. It's mostly just they're building up the women's division itself, you know, alone. So Which
0: is huge now. I oh, gotta yeah. see Mania and oh my god, that was that was crazy. Someone said pimping ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right, we do have a question and it said if you had a warning label,
1: what would it be? A warning label, Hmm. Yeah. It's a good question. That's one I never thought I'd have to answer actually um hmm I might have to think about them for a second <laughs> all right well we'll go to the next one it says uh,
0: what's one habit you changed that improved the direction of your life oh, that's an amazing question
1: yeah very good question though um, I have a good answer to that I think for maybe just you know um, just staying positive you know like you know there's there were times in my life where um, I was depressed, you know, like, you know, I just, I thought that, you know, things weren't going to ever, I guess, improve, you know, the way I, I wanted them to, but, right. um, you know, just being, being open to failure, being open to challenges, um, you know, is really what makes, you know, life work, man. You know, you got to go through those struggles in order to grow, um, in order to be the person you want to be eventually. And, um, you know, I think that just making that, uh, uh, taking that approach is really what's helped me out, you know, as far as being um, a good habit.
0: I think you nailed it on the head. I think embracing failure should be championed. I think it should be—you shouldn't be scared of failure, right? Uh-huh. Uh, taking risks is a huge deal, and I think so many people don't do it because they're comfortable. Yeah, exactly. And they don't—they don't know the half of their comfortability or what it could be. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Man, you know, that's,
1: um, I would to off a success at wrestling or anything like that, you know, because I'm not, of course, obviously working in WWE. I'm not making multi millions like some of their top stars are. And, but I mean, you know, um, going through that, going through those trials and those battles, and um, hearing no a lot of times, but then hearing yes um, in other cases, you know, has helped out um, as far as you know, keeping me going, keeping me pushing to be better myself. And so, um, yeah, man, it just goes along with it. You know, you just got to keep going, got to keep challenging yourself, and uh, finding your fit.
0: Just be, and be okay with losing. Yeah. Man, so many people are scared of that. Um, there's, I mean, honestly, if you lose something, there's always, I always think to myself, especially creeping upon re- retirement, I am right now. And I'm always thinking to myself, like, well, shit, how am I going to maintain this lifestyle? Or how am I going to keep this going, right? Um, it's not just enough to save. I think it's, it's more of like, I don't want to not live the way I'm living now. Mm-hmm. It, but then I go and think like, well, screw it. Like if I'm going to take that risk to do something I want to do, I'd probably be more happier that struggling to get to where I want to be. than I would be just comfortable. Yeah. So man. That's a, that's a big, a big piece of advice. I love it. Thanks for the question, Val. Uh, do you want to re re attack that question about a uh, warning label or warning sign?
1: Oh yeah. So warning label, what would it be? Yep. A warning Label. Um, I'd say maybe, content's under pressure <laughs> no I, don't know. I really don't know I don't see that's, a one. <laughs> that's a good one you don't see that okay. very often <laughs> that's a that's a great question actually I don't think I've ever heard that one before But <laughs> so you're close to retiring though you said
0: yeah man I'm about two years away um retiring from my actual job right my career um and then I'm gonna pivot to do something I love so th- that response couldn't have been more on point than you know my mind frame currently, um, and I find my you know what I find myself doing though is is backtracking on old habits. Speaking to the habits piece, like um, being emotionally, politically charged, especially during the state we're in right now, right? Yeah, and, and let emotions kind of get over of what you know what a rational thought would be. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm trying not to be emotional. A lot of the things I do. Um, some.
1: So then absolutely necessary right yeah that's it's tough man and that's what i think is a lot of people are having that same battle you know like oh for sure people are just quick to just spew out whatever they're they're feeling at that moment without actually thinking things through and actually thinking what kind of effect it's going to have on either them or the person they're talking to you know and that's just that's a real that's a real big problem right now is people just don't you know take that time to really really think about what they're going to say and um you know words are just you know um affecting so many people negatively right now Oh, you know? and uh, I just see so much hate being spewed online, man. It's just hard to see, you know, all, all those people go through that. And and to get caught up in it, you know, you take it personal, right? So yeah.
0: you, mm. you respond to someone and they're like, well, you're an idiot. And then you're like, ah, don't
1: call me an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough, man. I know <laughs> those same people are, you know, all about love and all about, you know, coming together. And then the next second they're bashing somebody, you know, it's like, right. okay, well, think about it. You know, we think about what you just said about five minutes ago. And now you're telling this person to F off and to. Oh, for sure. You know, high basically and uh, so yeah it's just it's horrible to see you know so much uh, descent going on man but that's just the time we're in right now agreed Agreed.
0: well Johnny we're up against it what I like to do right now is rapid-fire questions so I'm gonna give you a list of questions right and you answer them, short long however long you want to take with it but we're gonna try to rapid-fire it okay you ready do it what color is your toothbrush gray and white Who's your favorite superhero Wolverine if a movie was made in your life. What genre would it be comedy? You could be a flavor of ice cream. What would it be? Cookie dough. (laughs) If you could have the ears of everybody in the world and you were talking in your sleep. What would you say?
1: I'm sorry. What would you
0: say? If you had the ears of everybody in the world at once and you were talking in your sleep. What would you say? just stop Ooh. What's, your <laughs> big- what's that what's your biggest addiction oh uh, being a father ah that's a good one when you dance what does it look like sloppy <laughs> and when Johnny Proof gets you in the ring what does he do
1: he brings you the
0: truth and beats the hell out of you yes that's our round of rapid fires nice yeah. I want to say thank you. It was an honor to have you. I I want to have you again, definitely, in the future. Um, Please keep doing what you're doing. You're very inspiring. Um, I hope you use your platform for for that reason to inspire us to uh, follow what we want to do in our dreams in life. Uh, That was great advice. Don't be scared to fail. And thank you for the advice about the Kawasaki's disease. If you want to plug anything now, now, now's the time to do it.
1: Sweet man, well thank you for having me on. It's uh it's great to catch up with you, even though like I said it's been years, but like it doesn't feel like it, man. It feels like it's just yesterday that we, we talked. So um it's always good catching up with you and um proud to see your beautiful family grow and um you know it's just awesome, man, that we can still keep in touch like this um on this platform. So thanks for getting me on Instagram. I wasn't on here before. Um so uh, my Instagram uh-huh. of course at Johnny Pantoya. Um I'm on Facebook too under Johnny Pantoya. I do have a a fan page for Johnny Proof on there. It's just under Johnny Proof. Um, I also have a Twitter um, at Johnny Proof, and I also have a YouTube channel um, under Johnny Proof too. So, yeah, check out some videos on there. Just you know, check out content. I'm always um, interacting. I'm always happy to interact with fans, you know, at any level, um, and always interested in you know um, ideas, you know, too, as far as um, maybe how to better my character or you know design ideas, anything like that. So if anybody's um, you know, into that, you know, reach out and, you know, maybe we can collaborate and do some cool stuff.
0: Sounds good. We'll plug your stuff
1: in the comments below. Thanks for joining us. And
0: for everybody watching, this is Questions for Regular People. It's every Tuesday at 6 p.m. With the exception of next week, we're going to bump it to 7 p.m. to accommodate the guest. The, the next guest we have is one of Johnny's best friends, an English yes. by the name of Matt Lobato. We'll be discussing English and we'll be discussing battle rap. And right. of course, for questions for regular people, you ask the question, we'll ask the question, we'll have answers and we'll pivot in that direction. That's the format. So questions for regular people, every Tuesday, Instagram Live, this channel, uh six PM Mountain Standard. Johnny Proof, love you, brother. Have love a good one.
1: Best of luck to everything, man. Have a good one. You too, man. This was fun. Yeah. Now,